0: The following episode of the 9pm edict contains strong language, but it's a bit different.
1: Nah, nah, let's not do all that. This is uh, just a quick chat, really. Hello, I'm Stilgerian. It's Tuesday, the 24th of March 2020. And last night, for the first time in a a long time, I was scared. Uh, This is... The 9pm, His Plague Diary, Episode 2, uh, whatever this is going to be. So yeah, on Sunday, uh, as you know, I did the usual big, complicated podcast with a with a bunch of news clips and lots of shouting and lots of swearing, and that got posted at, what, nearly 10pm. Nearly uh, I'd been in the media-making zone all through the afternoon and the evening, not the usual Sunday night zone most of you would probably have been in, I'm guessing. And while I'd been doing that, as you know, the announcements had been trickling out from Prime Minister Scott Morrison and state and territory leaders. Uh, And then Monday morning, we saw in more detail what was going on with this coronavirus lockdown. And then from 10am Monday, I started watching Parliament as all the emergency laws uh, were debated. And it really hit me how sombre the mood was. Uh, I saw the MPs scattered around the chamber, spaced one and a half metres apart, with the rest having to watch from outside. Everyone looked tired. Uh, I gather they'd been working across the weekend. Even Scott Morrison sounded less
0: cocky. Thank you, Mr Speaker. We have much to do today, but I wish to begin by seeking leave to make a ministerial statement. No, the Prime Minister can just... He, he can just Mr. Speaker, statement he doesn't need leave. we gather today at a time of great challenge for our nation and indeed the world. We are a strong nation and a strong people, but in the months ahead, this will put us all to the test. At no time like this since the Second World War. But together. Australia, we are up to this challenge. The coronavirus that is sweeping the world will continue to change the way we live. But we must not allow it to change who we are as Australians. I know, we all know, that Australians are very concerned at this difficult time. It is the understandable fear of the unknown. And there is much that is not known about the coronavirus. But we must not let that fear overtake us. We must focus instead on what we do know, what we can control.
1: OK, so it's not exactly we will fight them on the beaches, but it was starting to sound like the reality was finally hitting him. Finally. Well, he, he did try something a bit Churchillian. I don't think it came across.
0: So we summon the spirit of the Anzacs, of our Great Depression generation, of those who built the Snowy, of those who won the Great Peace, of the Second World War, and defended Australia. That is our legacy that we draw on at this time.
1: ALBO II, Anthony Albanese, I mean Labor's leader, he went a lot more personal in his opening speech.
2: We must listen to our smartest minds, our scientists, our doctors, our immunologists. Now is the time to listen, to learn, and to act without delay. This is about people's lives, and then, of course, consequentially, their livelihoods, particularly the lives of many of our vulnerable people, our parents and grandparents, the disadvantaged, and the first Australians. We owe them our best. It's pretty hard to self-isolate if you're homeless.
1: Now, I said elbow, uh, got personal. Labor's Chris Bowen went way, way more personal in uh, his speech. This is,
2: this hits you. The final point I'll make is, Mr Deputy Speaker, we all understand the seriousness of the task before the House, before the government, before the country. Member for Rankin referred to it. We feel the weight of history on our shoulders here. This has been often compared, including by myself, to the last big national health crisis facing our country, the pandemic of 1918-19, the Spanish flu, as it was called in the day. And it's true, this is the biggest crisis since then. I know a little bit about the pandemic. It came in two waves. Australia got through the first wave pretty well. We applied strict quarantine, we applied the best health advice as it was at the day, Um, restrictions on movement, and we got through pretty well. The rest of the world suffered the first wave, the 1918 wave, very badly and Australia did well. Then we got complacent, we relaxed. We lifted the quarantine restrictions. The second wave was devastating for Australia. 102,000 Australians gave their lives in the flu pandemic. One of them, Mr Deputy Speaker, was my great-grandmother, Magdalen McInelly, who died at age 29, a couple of years, a few years after giving birth to my grandmother. Obviously, I never knew her. She died 50 years before I was born. I don't know what her personality was. I don't know what she felt about life. I don't know what she felt in her dying days. I have no idea. I have one photo of her, her wedding photo. It's all I know about my great-grandmother. But I know this. The impact was long lasting. 80 years after her death, as my grandmother was dying, and it was obvious to all, to her and to us, her children and grandchildren, that she was dying. We asked her, where would you like to be buried, Nan? 80 years after the death of her mother, she said, put me next to mum, please. Which is exactly what we did. 80 years of grief that she went through, of not having really known her mother. She died. Her mother died when she was an infant. Eighty years later, we remedied that the best we could by burying her next to her mother, burying them together, reuniting them. May as few Australians as possible have to go through that in this public health crisis.
1: Well, that's Chris Bowen, Uh, Later up in the day, I watched a little video from uh, the UK's Channel 4. You may uh, have already seen this uh, because it's been shared quite a lot. I'm going to play it in full. It's only a couple of minutes. This is Professor Hugh Montgomery. He's director of the Institute for Human Health and Performance uh, at University College in London. Normal
3: flu, if I get that, I'm going to infect on average about 1.3, 1.4 people, okay, if there was such a division. Yeah. And if those 1.3, 1.4 people gave it to the next lot, that's the second time it gets passed on. By the time that's happened 10 times, I've been responsible for about 14 1.4 cases of flu. This coronavirus is very, very infectious. So every person passes it to three. Now that doesn't sound like much of a difference, but if each of those three passes it to three, and that happens at 10 layers, I have been responsible for infecting 59,000 people. Now... I actually wasn't on top of that maths (laughs) when you were doing that. Okay, that that did come as a shock, yeah. Right. Now, most people are going to feel a bit pokey, or not very pokey, and be just fine, but they will have spread spread it around. And a few will get sick at about day 10 of their illness, so they will need to come to a hospital. And when they're in a hospital, they will consume resources and time, and people will look after them quite rightly and they will be monitored to see if they become really, really sick. Those people then come to an intensive care unit and that's where, if you're critically ill, your life gets saved or not. And this is the issue. If we've got a limited resource, which we have, a limited number of ventilators, a limited number of doctors, a limited number of nurses, which is fine, because we can't run ourselves with a huge excess capacity all the time. If we overwhelm that, we can't provide that service of caring for these people properly.
0: This isn't the end of the world, is it?
3: No, we've got to remember that this is... I'm not not going to play it down. It's going to be ugly, it's going to be horrible for a large number of people, but it will be a small number of people who get properly sick, and a smaller percentage of those, again, that need to come to an intensive care unit, and we can save the lives of a large number of those people too. But please, just remember that the best chance we can give for the people who do fall ill is if we've got enough beds and enough staff and enough kit to be able to be there for you, and if you are irresponsible enough to think that you don't mind if you get the flu, remember it's not about you; it's about everybody else.
1: Uh, so yeah, share that one. There's a link, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Spending days alone isn't exactly unusual for me. Uh, In fact, the last time I was more than 100 metres from where I'm sitting right now was Wednesday last week, six days ago. Uh, That's when I went shopping. Normally, though, if I need to get out, well, I go work in the library, except the libraries are shut. All right, a quick drink. But no, the pubs and clubs are shut. All right, a coffee. No, the, the restaurants and cafes all shut now. And then I remembered the empty shelves at the supermarket last week, people buying up canned beans and, and pasta. And then through yesterday and today, I started to see on Twitter more details of the deaths in Italy, the faces of the health workers who'd worked double shifts wearing uh, PPE, personal protective equipment, and the bruises it caused on their faces, the, the fatigue, the exhaustion in their eyes. Uh, I saw the stories of of people, particularly in Italy, over 65 who'd surrendered their ventilators so others could survive one of them a, a priest who's who's now of course dead and quite frankly 65 doesn't feel all that far in the future for me and maybe not for you when you you stop to think about how the years start speeding by. so yeah all these all these things started to hit me and I was scared. When I was in bed relaxing just before sleep or trying to relax, I I actually started shaking. That's that's okay. That's how we process fear. So it's okay if you did that too at any time or in the future. Whatever else your mind and body did or does or will do in relation to the fear, that's all okay too. Or maybe for you the fear is yet, yet to come a long way down the track. It's very early days yet. I sometimes sometimes warn people about wallowing in the endless stream of news uh, during crises like terrorist attacks and accidents and so on because it's unhealthy. It's unhealthy for you. It's unhealthy for society. They usually only last a few days. This COVID-19 thing will be a thing for months. It will fuck with your head. Now, this is... Just a brain dump, but I do spend most of my time indoors, and it's sometimes my job to absorb the news (laughs) 24/7. Those two things are probably probably help explain a bit the way I am, but there are other things there, of course. But my advice is to choose, say, two main sources of information about the coronavirus and and limit yourself to them. Now. One potential mix, and this is kind of, well, not how I'm doing it, but it's a way of doing it. ABC News has a daily podcast called Coronacast. It's only 10 minutes, and that'll give you a science update and the best kind of knowledge we have about coronavirus without going too deep. And then pick... I suppose one of the live feeds, the so-called, you know, you see them scrolling past. ABC has one, the the nine mastheads, uh, the Herald and City Morning Herald and, and The Age have one. The Guardian has one. There's, there's others around too. But only skim it once or twice a day. Don't just sit there hitting refresh. Now, I know the City Morning Herald has an email newsletter. That sounds like a good way of doing it. I haven't checked it out. Others will have it. Too. And if someone starts doing a, a simple, you know, 500 words, this is what you need to know today, newsletter or web page, read that and read it in the morning, not at night. Otherwise, it'll fuck up your sleep. And then take a moment when you read it in the morning to ponder how it will change things for you. You don't need to see it the night before. Nothing you can do at like 11 o'clock at night is going to change what happens tomorrow. Get some sleep. Read it in the morning, ponder how it changes things for you, and then just get on with your day, which might potentially have some new things in it, but, you know, that's life. Seriously, if you watch the rise and fall of every wave in this, you'll go crazy. Rolling news is addictive. It it contains each hour just enough new info to keep you hooked. Sure, and then the rest of it just hits and hits and hits and hits and hits until you're drenched in it. No, ignore it. Focus not on the, every individual wave. Look at the tides. Look at the seasons. Focus on the horizon. Now if you're new to spending days at a time indoors, you may be tempted to put on the rolling news or talk radio. Just don't. Put on music or nothing at all and listen to birds if you have birds in your area. And stick to your twice daily update. You can always catch up with stories online if you need to know more. Now, when I tweeted all that earlier, it was triggered by someone tweeting that yes, they'd overdosed on the COVID nineteen coverage uh, the day before, and they're limiting themselves to two half-hour windows, and says it's paying dividends so far. And and someone else said they're not tweeting at all about the pandemic, uh, not because they're not taking it seriously or it isn't scaring them, because obviously it is, but that person's coping mechanism is to try and keep their Twitter feed free of of that and just follow official sources and professionals for the news. That's another good thing too. Talk about something else. Someone suggested uh, listening to audio drama as as an escape. Yep, fine. Choose inputs for your brain that are a distraction, but also remember that you don't have to be constantly stuffing things into your brain. Give yourself time for thoughts to settle. And that might be new for some of you because – you know we are so used to be plugged in all the time but it's only weird for a while you will find it uncomfortable at first because you want to know what's happening but just get through that and then you might find you you like it so i'm yeah i'm scared many of you are too uh this fortnite's essential polling came out today tuesday And that's it. Most Australians are concerned about the pandemic. Some obviously very concerned. Although whether you think you'll get it yourself, well, Australians seem to be roughly evenly split on that so far. Weirdly, uh, there's a third of you who think that the reaction so far from the government and all the rules put in place have been an overreaction. That's surprises me, but at the same time, that polling was done from Wednesday through to Sunday, and Sunday and Monday's measures and Tuesday's measures won't have sunk in yet for those people. I reckon we're going to see that change in the next few days because those people won't have seen the queues outside Centrelink they won't have seen the collapse of the mygov website and they won't have seen the latest phase of the the continuing exponential rise in the number of cases because that happened after the polling closed but today tuesday 90% of the school kids in new south wales stayed home even though the schools were open and i and i think that tells you something for me Uh, Yeah, I've been at home for a week now. Uh, Tomorrow, Wednesday, I'm going to go shopping in Katoomba and uh, I'll report back. So thanks as always to you, the generous listeners. Uh, This episode is thanks to Keith Duddy and uh, also one anonymous contributor. If you'd like to join them, and yeah, I know you've got a lot on your plate right now probably, but if if you'd like to join them, please go to stillgariancom slash tip. Well, that's all the edict for now. Uh, this will definitely not be a daily diary, far from it. Uh, but I will pop back from time to time with comments and thoughts uh, as they occur to me and, quite frankly, as I need to get them out of my system. This is uh, this is probably a bit therapeutic for me. You you probably have your own ways of, of getting rid of the tension. Uh, please feel free to send me your own thoughts too. Um, if you like, record a quick bit of audio on your phone and and send that in. It would be great to know your name or pseudonym and where you're from uh, to give it some context. Uh, My contact details are on the website. Uh, Until next time, I'm still here, Uh, Wash your hands and think of others.
2: The 9pm Edict is a Skank Media production. Sorry.